Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, uh, the devil are you? <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? You know I, I said, am. When I said Mr. Pete Donaldson, he, he sort of looked up like a startled cat in headlights, <laughs> and it was quite funny. Because I've got part of the running order on my phone and part of the running order on my screen. My, uh, I'm in a, I'm in, a, I'm still in a, a state of disarray. My entire office is in bits, and I'm just sort of like going, "Oh God, I've got to sort of sort my life out a little bit." So yeah, I'm well, a little bit frazzled. <laughs> I, I'll have you know, I won 150 dollars from Connor Sea Dog VA just two nights ago. Whoa. Whoa! What happened? What, what, what were you? Um, what were you betting on? It wasn't really a bet. It's one of those uh, Twitch streams where you mm. have to react to memes, and if you if he laughs, basically, has to pay you money. So he said, "If you right. make me laugh, I'll give you hundred fifty dollars." And I think he laughed three times in the space of two to three hours. So he did a pretty good job. But I yeah. defeated him with a video of a Yoda puppet, like a silly puppet of yoda telling a joke and <laughs> it was 36 seconds long and i think mm. you have to pay one dollar for every second that the video airs so it cost 36 dollars so i guess mm. technically it was more like a 120 dollar profit but right, he laughed okay. on the last sort of 10 seconds and i was vindicated and now i'm a rich man and i'm going to spend it on <laughs> something great like a hat I'm I, I'm not um, I'm not sort of across the whole kind of uh, the, the, the the sort of business case around Twitch and streaming and stuff like that. So so hang on, so you had to pay to play with the meme. You had to kind of like yeah. Ah, I see. So he basically he's got this thing called Streamlabs, and uh, you mm. like choose an amount of money. You, you you post the link to the video, and then pay the amount of money in terms of how long mm. the video is, and then off he goes, yeah. and then it'll appear on his screen, and he watches uh, it in the live show. I have to say, Twitch is kind of advanced, and part yeah, of really me... Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I've been entertaining the idea of doing it, but like, I just don't think mm. it's really it's really me. Like, I enjoy doing one stream a month for two hours, but mm. it's pretty. it requires a lot of energy. It really does. Every now and again, I have these sort of little fantasies, because I'm, I'm not doing... <laughs> a radio show anymore uh and i just sort of think well you know Aww. i do like playing video games and it would be nice to sort of have a have a little kind of um you know set of streams that i did every week it would be quite nice to yeah. sort of uh have an excuse to play video games uh as a, a as a thing to do to produce content rather than um just sort of looking around my house going i've got to do all this stuff <laughs> you should definitely do it You'd be really good at it, actually. Like my other friend Pete, he's kind of like you, but American. He mm. is very 
hyper and kind of comedian. He's quite funny. You would do it quite he's, well. I think. He's a very he's a very uh, charismatic young man. Has to, has to be said. He's he's very good, but I think you could do it. I could see you doing playthroughs of Monkey Island and retro games. <laughs> uh, what kind of games would you actually play? Uh, like the really kind of offensive sexual ones, like Leisure Suit Larry oh, uh, in the in the nineties. Oh, <laughs> Redneck <God>. Rampage, <laughs> like a really Red horrific one. Rampage. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's a real sort of vogue. It was around about the time you had like Dave Mira's Triple uh, X BMX uh, sort of games. You know, the kind of new metal when when uh, the wrestling was very offensive and very sexual. Uh, and and yeah, it was kind of like the, the turn of the millennium. Um, Jackass and uh, you know the Suicide Girls and like just like a lot of kind of quite stupid sexual <laughs> stuff and, there, and and it was reflected in the video games where there was just boobs in video games for no bloody reason <laughs> and that is what you would choose to play mm. <laughs> no i'd just be one of those hot tub streamers just sitting bath of oh, beans God. show my bum image it'd certainly be interesting <laughs> to see how that would do but let us know guys should pete start a twitch stream and what should he do and should he play inappropriate video games probably uh we've got a story this week uh that's titled moments of terror with a Japanese customs check. Uh, hi, Chris oh. Pete. I hope you're well. I was reminded of my run-in with the Japanese customs people from your warning not to do drugs in Japan last week. I was travelling to Japan with two of my friends when we were all lads under the age of 20. We had a gruelling 22-hour layover in Moscow, uh, and oh. I'd bought copious amounts of cigarettes as we were all rather heavy smokers at the time. Uh, we'd also theoretically not be able to buy them in Japan as we were underage. Uh, right as the hype for our imminent landing was reaching its peak, we were handed the customs declarations form, which I'd completely forgotten about. We realised that we were in clear violation of the customs rules as we were all <laughs> under the age of 20 uh, and hauling considerably larger amounts of cigarettes than, than the allowed 200 uh, into the country. Oh, good God. After some deliberating on the issue, I said that while it is rather unlikely that they would go as far as checking our bags, I also noted that uh, as the Japanese rosas are known for not messing about, one would assume that the customs officials should be treated with similar fearful respect uh, as the police. We decided to just admit everything and beg for mercy as stupid young foreigners. <laughs> as the only person who spoke Japanese in the group, I was elected to do the groveling. I mean, if you're lucky at this point, you could probably sneak through. I don't think I've ever had... I think I've had my luggage checked once while passing through customs. Usually, yeah, they, I've had a couple of times. Yeah, they're, they're usually pretty good, and and, and yeah, I've had I've had my luggage checked uh, maybe two or three times out of ten. Um, but you know, it's hard. To, I imagine it's very very hard to to um, hide over two hundred cigarettes <laughs> in your back's <laughs> mind. Well, let's see how Andy gets on. Uh, Andy says, we're all growing increasingly nervous as we landed. This was also not aided by the rather dodgy Russian Burger King food from the f from uh, before the flight sitting in our stomachs. As I'd, assume, uh, as I'd assumed, nobody tried to check our bags, but we reached the customs officer. My friend was wearing a Christmas hat, scoring pity points and providing evidence of the laughable quality of our decision-making. I started explaining to the customs official... Uh, that we were just stupid Finnish dudes who didn't account for the difference in legal age for smoking in imported tobacco and were not intentionally trying to break any laws or cause any harm. The customs officer just nodded, listened, and then laughed. Then he switched the topic to quizzing us about moomins uh, <laughs> and the works of our relatively famous designers and architects before briefly asking us what sites we were planning on seeing in Japan. As I was still on the back foot 
in case this was just the latest uh, advancement in Japanese interrogation tactics. I answered in a concise, serious, and surprised manner. He then apparently realised that he still had to do his job, despite our exotic stupidity, and informed us that we'd just been a little bit naughty. And for that reason, we had to pay a fine of about 1,500 yen each, about $15. But we were able to keep the cigarettes and we would be free to leave. We hastily hey. paid the man and thanked him profusely. Uh, we led while whispering amongst ourselves, thanking our chosen deities and snickering, uh, snickering about how, even after the fine, our shop our shopping still paid out as an investment compared to the local prices. I don't know whether we just got lucky in terms of Japanese customs, uh, but what I do know is my reputation of Japanese authorities was enough to elicit a full confession out of me and my dumbass friends. Keep up the great work, guys. All the best. Andy from Finland. Well done, that Andy. That was good. I, I like the idea of him funny <laughs> getting, like actually still being able to turn a profit. Well, not really a profit, but you know, it still, still works out financially, uh, fiscally responsible, <laughs> even if you've paid out a Fiscal. 1500 yen bloody prize, uh, <laughs> prize or fine rather. Fantastic. Great. It just shows illegal, that crime, uh, crime does import. pay. It really oh, does. It really does. Yeah. And and if you do, and if you do get caught, just sort of play the foreigner card. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Talk about the <laughs> talk about the moomins. Whip out the moomins. <laughs> uh, those illegal cigarettes. Oh, but the moomins. That was great, wasn't it? Mm. To be fair, the moomins <laughs> scared the shit out of me as a kid. I don't know if you ever saw it, but I still it's up there with like ET in terms of mm. top three things that scare the hell out of me. The moomins was really trippy. I remember there was these really crazy characters, wide eyes, and there was like a windmill, and I don't really remember <laughs> anything other than just being creeped out by it did you ever watch it or see it i, I mean i'm familiar with the characters but yeah i, I think they were it, it feels like a 1970s kind of thing the moomins i don't know it was quite old like and i guess by the time you were watching it it was kind of a, a redux or a remake but it, i think i kind of redux. missed the it i missed like the heyday in the late 70s early 80s and then and then kind of the second time they sort of came around um i, I was obviously a bit, bit, bit old for it but they're very popular i don't know really what they do they're like a re- weird sort of fat walking cows don't they <laughs> very you weird. just trash the moomins well they, you know i'm sure they can take it they're probably very financially well off <laughs> <laughs> i it was it was no i don't i don't remember much other than it was creepy and when they came on i would switch over and watch something else <laughs> one of those one of those things from the 90s and speaking of trauma from the 90s uh, Tamagotchis back in the news this week. The newest Ooh. Tamagotchi product shaped like a smartwatch that you can feed, evolve, and chat with. Tamagotchi watches, exciting or disaster? Like, <laughs> I don't know if you had a Tamagotchi. For me as a kid, I remember I waited like one year to get one. I was always behind the trends. Like, mm. in 1995, that Buzz Lightyear toy came out and it was really good. And all my friends got it, but I didn't. And I was really bitter. And that's why I am who I am today. You know, I've got, I'm making, trying to make up for that, not getting the Buzz Lightyear toy. But it was the same with Tamagotchis, and I got a Tamagotchi late. And after having it for like two or three days, it just died for no reason. So after waiting right. a considerable amount of time, I don't think I fed it right. I don't think I knew what I was doing, and it died. <laughs> and it was a really cheap Tamagotchi, and if it died, it just, that was it. It just wasn't operational, it just sort of fizzled out. There was no energy mm. or power surely in it. Could, surely you could sort of like open it up and there shouldn't be a reset button inside, surely. Sure. I don't think there was. Because I remember taking it to my mum and being like, Mum, my Tamagotchi's dead. And she went, oh, 
Oh, oh it's well. A shame, isn't it? And then shame. we couldn't find the reset button, and that's that's why I, I'm really I remember, bitter. I, I remember sort of reading quite recently. Um, I think maybe a friend of a friend or just some random on Twitter, uh, sort of talking about their Tamagotchi where the button wasn't working where you could sort of feed it so the feeding button wouldn't work so basically oh this kid on a long distance bus journey was just forced to watch the slow death of this poor little animal <laughs> because the because the, the the feeding button had broken or it didn't oh work no. in the first place awful awful business well i mean i i didn't know tamagotchi is actually like a brand that's owned by bandai namco who own everything mm. in Japan that involves yeah. a toy. Um, but it kind of makes sense. I, I think Tamagotchi, what does it literally mean? Tama's egg, gotchi, mm. I don't know, got it, got an egg. Mochi, I don't know. It's probably looking into that. <laughs> I guess so, um, yeah. But it's back, and it's back on your wrist. Uh, 2021 apparently marks the 25-year anniversary of um, of Tamagotchis. So they've decided to okay, um, right. bring out a Tamagotchi watch. Why don't they sort in- of bring out, like, you know, like you've got these smartwatches with the big, you know, watch faces and the, you know, high definition retina displays and stuff. Why don't they bring out a version of like the Sims? Because like Sims <laughs> is like, you know, like an advanced version of my little computer person or Tamagotchi. And, and uh, yeah, why don't they bring out a version of that? So you can just look on your watch and sort of go, all right, what's he up to? <laughs> what's our little, what's this little chap doing? That could be cool, actually. Like an advanced <laughs> Tamagotchi, right? Mm. I mean, I think the ones they're bringing out are very kind of retro. They're mint blue and coral pink. They're super rare. There's also a super rare white version, um, mm. and it costs seventy four dollars, oh, seven thousand four hundred yen. So it ain't cheap for a Tamagotchi watch. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's not really aimed at me, but it comes with a microphone and a touchscreen, uh, which enables owners to feel like they're directly touching and talking to their digital pet, uh, especially as the pets can recall answers given and react accordingly. Um, and the more you mm. chat with it, the better your bond will be. Is that anything that excites you there, Pete? <laughs> Shall I get you one? I've, if, I don't, if I don't talk to my parents... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk to a Tamagotchi, quite frankly. <laughs> Could be good. I don't know. I'll um, I might buy one. I, I, I was supposed to start like a trying out cool retro Japanese tech series, and I did one on the retro Pac-Man thing, which sits behind mm. me on the desk. Nobody watched it, and I cancelled the series, and so there's no no retro games for yeah, anyone. But I mean, like that's I mean that 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 Pac-Man thing's very. It's not quintessentially Japanese, though, is it? It's uh. Yeah, it's a global product. <laughs> it's not. Maybe I'll give it another shot with Tamagotchis. But while we're on the subject of uh, of games, unfortunately, the beloved Japanese arcades, such as uh, Taito Station, are not having a good time at the moment. And um, mm. unfortunately, a lot of them are closing down, tragically. Um, for example, there was the iconic Sega Akihabara building uh, that recently closed, one of the most iconic buildings in Akihabara. Shut, shot, shut up, shot. And a big factor in that is um, a lack of overseas tourists and also the pandemic. Um, so mm. over the decades, gaming arcades in Japan have faced serious challenges, um, but now they're facing the new menace, the old COVID-19. Even pre-pandemic, arcades in Japan were on a downward trend. According to a police white paper, there were only 4,022 arcades across Japan in 2019, down from 26,000 in 1986. Uh, of course, home consoles make up for that with Nintendo and Sega, but uh, still, it's a massive drop. But I think mm. while that's still a low number, it's still pretty cool that Japan does have these cutting-edge arcades. Um, but I guess it's just a question of how much longer are they going to be around, really? I mean, you've, you're, yeah. you're a fan of them, right? 
Yeah, mate. I mean, it's, 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 I think, um, sort of just strolling around the arcade is like a, a quintessentially Japanese, uh, you know, I'm on holiday in Japanese, in, in Japan, uh, kind of thing to do. And it, it's so, um, it, it's so unique and you, it, it kind of, um, puts you in mind of, of, you know, enjoying the arcades when you were, um, you know, 10 years old when I was like in the 1980s, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know in the 1990s when I was 10, uh, going around and, and, and playing Chase HQ and Afterburner and stuff. <laughs> I mean, nowadays the, 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 there are very few, I think if you top, top take like floor space, you know, the big, the big arcades are like five floors in Akihabara or Shinjuku or, or mm-hmm. Shibuya. Um, you take these sort of big things and like, you know, one floor, two floors will be Pachinko. Um, the rest of it will mainly be rhythm games. Like, that's kind of their, the the kind of you know the 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 new video games that are being made are invariably uh, rhythm based games because it's the sort of thing you can't yeah, reproduce yeah. really in your own in your own bedroom in your own little um, Japanese flat um, and there is like a certain amount of kind of more story driven uh, kind of shooters and, and, and arcade machines but they're obviously losing out uh, floor space wise. I always to, found to, a bit underwhelming stuff. The the shooting ones, yeah. like the shooting ones are always yeah. a bit tacky. The zombie ones mm. where you have like a a pistol and you've got like a button on it that throws a grenade and I never managed mm. to last more than like three minutes before I'm killed <laughs> and I have to insert another ten dollars. But like, yeah, it's 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 sad. It's it, it's really really sad because it's 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 one of the last places in the world where uh, arcades are important. And and, and you know, I, I moved into a, a town in, in Essex, and on the high street, mm. there's this kind of little. This guy's got this little retro game shop, and then next door, he's got like a little arcade, like a little mini arcade that you can just oh, wow. go in and, and play. And 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 you know, um, sort of barcades are, are sort of popping up left, right, and centre. But these are very much reconditioned sort of eighties um, machines. You know, you can play a bit of mm. outrun, play a bit of. Pit fighter, bit of Street Fighter too, um, and, and and get pissed. But um, yeah, it's it's sad because it it was a very pure gaming experience. The ones in Akihabara and and Osaka and yeah. beyond. It was uh, it was really sad. And, and and but it's just it was always going to disappear. They were always going to go. And it's just the COVID nineteen pandemic has has really sort of doubled down on that and and and, and hissed its uh, disappearance. I don't know why. I don't think I've ever been to an arcade where there's like a restaurant or a bar kind of built into it apart from the video mm. game bar we went to but like you think they would try and integrate somewhere you could sort of sit and eat and chat yeah within the arcade because yeah. then you could actually be a bit more chilled out because usually what i do i go out to like a pub or a bar or hub def- <laughs> god forbid <laughs> have, a, have a few drinks and then we're like oh let's go to the arcade for a bit play some mario kart or something and then you kind of think oh i'd like something else now and then you have to leave again mm. so i don't know i don't kind of, <laughs> kind of think of integrating food and drink with the yeah. arcade. There's probably some. There's probably some horrific kind of gambling laws that uh, prohibit. Uh, there definitely is. Of, yeah. uh, <laughs> booze and there, video games. There, hundred percent, is a law there. But it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Maybe I should do a video on the subject because it's something I've never really covered, um, mm. and it's something that I think is a big part of Japan's identity. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. They've still managed to maintain four thousand even today when most mm. people seem to be addicted to games on their smartphones of all places, which isn't mm, the same, is it? It's just not the same. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> after this short break with the fax machine. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And we're back with the fax machine. What have we got this week, Mr. Dawson, from our listeners? Uh, we got an email from, on the fax machine, Jamie from Sydney. Hi, Chris and Pete. I'm Jamie, and I'm an avid consumer of the podcast and the YouTube channel. I recently read Dogs and Demons, The Fall of Modern Japan by Alex Kerr and Chris's recommendation. The book was published in 2001, and I get, want to get your permi- uh, opinion on whether any progress has been made to address the issues outlined in the book. We're talking hmm. environmental pollution, deforestation, large, pointless civil engineering projects in the last huh. 20 years. I also wanted to ask um, how you think Japan has changed the most in the last 20 years and get your predictions of how it will look in 2041. Flying cars! All the best guys, Jamie from <laughs> Sydney. Now, um, me and you went out on a little trip uh, last time I was down, and we yep. went to the flooded uh, like remnants of, of an old um, wedding venue, um, kind of yes. social hub, and all around with these kind of like engineering projects were just like just putting putting concrete upon concrete upon concrete um and road upon road upon road um that didn't really sort of lead anywhere they weren't really needed uh, and they sort of ended after a certain uh, period of time um so from mm. my perspective that uh, from what i've seen uh, the engineering pro- projects have certainly continued <laughs> yeah i mean this is a, it's a really interesting topic like when i lived out in the sticks in sort of Yamagata, you'd be driving out in the middle of nowhere and you'd see a massive concrete kind of overpass for a highway that had been started five years ago but hadn't been finished. And basically, the way it works in Japan is prefectures are given a lot of money for infrastructure and they have to spend it. And if they don't spend it, their budget gets cut the next year. So they're sort of forced, basically, to spend money on projects that aren't necessarily needed or aren't very good. The upside being that it creates jobs and it's supposed to be sort of good for the economy. But the downside is, as a result, like, yeah, a lot of the Japanese countryside is just covered in concrete. And the coastline we went to, um, just north of Ishinomaki, which is badly affected by the tsunami, they've just built these massive concrete walls. Uh, And whilst I'm sure they have value for certain strategic places like nuclear power stations or villages that are kind of near the sea, 
they've built them sort of everywhere, even bits of land where they're not really needed. And they're a real blight on the sort of the beautiful coastline of um, mm. of Japan's uh, Pacific sort of coast. And uh, we, we talked about this in a in that documentary, the tsunami one. Uh, there was um, Ichio Kano, a really nice woman who tragically lost her family uh, and has always lived by the sea and which destroyed her house. They've built this sort of 10, 12-meter concrete wall that's just blocked her view of the sea, which she was kind of sad about, and they all are. Even though it destroyed their town, they're still kind of sad to see the sea disappear. But um, mm. yeah, unfortunately, there hasn't been much progress. Like a, one of my favorite buildings, the Negakin Capsule Building, um, which an iconic, beautiful building, is being knocked down next year, in 2022, I think in around uh, April. Um, so I'm going to go and film that for a documentary next week, as I've always wanted to do for the last nine years. But that's going. And, it, you know, if that was in the UK, they'd probably try and put some sort of grey-listed status on it. Um, but mm. in Japan, old buildings do get knocked down, whether it's Harajuku Station, whether it's Sega in Akihabara, or where it's uh, the Nagakin Capsule Building. Um, they just don't mm. really seem to care as much. So it's a real shame. Mm. Yeah. But uh, as they, for my um... predictions for the future... It ain't going to change. <laughs> you said that uh, Nagakin uh, Capsule Hotel's uh, capsule uh, building is going to be knocked down. Presumably, it will be um, removed uh, module by module <laughs> until it's not no more. Yeah. That's <laughs> just a good point. Give it I one last kind of yeah. Just give it one last fucking bit of respect and just you know demolish it in the way that it was meant to be demolished, <laughs> piece by piece. Well, it is like one big pile of Jenga, isn't it? Like you can pull mm. out, allegedly you can pull out each individual capsule, although yeah. it will destroy the structural integrity of the building. But like, if nobody lives there and you're getting rid of it anyway, do it. Massive Jenga. Probably won't say that in the documentary. I'll probably be a little bit more, no. a little bit more tasteful. A little bit more respectful. <laughs> Absolutely. Got one here from Andy in Bristol who says, Hey guys, following on the from the kanji character topic in the last podcast, I was wondering, how does typing on a Japanese keyboard or phone work? I understand there are over 50,000 kanji characters, uh, but with only a limited number of keys on a keyboard, which characters are on those keys and how can all 50,000 be formed from them? Thanks for the content. All the best, Andy. I mean, there's only 2,200 kanji characters, though they are made up of, I think, maybe 50,000 components. But it's pretty simple, to be honest. Um, say, the way I use my keyboard, I've got like a Ramaji keyboard, so all characters like A, B, C, D. And say I want to type in cat, nickel, I would type in like N, E, K, O. And then the kanji character for Neko just comes up on the screen. Um, so it's very simple. Uh, or you could do the Japanese kind of hiragana keyboard if you really want to. But uh, mm. no, it's actually really easy. And that's the problem. I, because it's so easy to type in words, because you just need to know them phonetically, you don't need to write them. And inevitably, you forget how to write them, as I've done over the last sort of four or five years now. So that's a real shame. Mm. But it's really easy, though. I guess any uh, like sort of modern techniques, kind of you can go on like um, if you've got like, a kanji that you you've identified, mm. you want to know what it is. As an absolute amateur, has no idea how it all works. Um, there are like on 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 screen um, kind of um, little pages you can draw your kanji on or have a best crack at it and uh hilariously they try and figure out what the hell you're trying to draw it never works it never ever works so yeah um i've seen sort of people they, they type in the romaji or they type in the uh, hiragana and um 
once it's you know registered a word that it thinks it knows what it is, it changes it to mm. candy kanji. It's like a spell check a little bit, isn't it? Like yeah, if, yeah. if it's wrong, you can sort of go back, press press backspace, and it uh, and it, it has another crack at it, or, or just basically ret- returns the hiragana side of things. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, that's mm. perfect. But mm. I, I, I guess that is one of the easier aspects, though. You know, using your phone or your computer to type out kanji it's actually a lot easier than mm. you'd think it's just the writing mm. that's a, a nightmare yeah aye um, we've got a message we've got a message Chris we've got a message a message from uh, Elena Elena uh, on the factory machine hi Chris and Pete hope you are doing well I've been watching the Abronge Band channel and listening to the podcast for a long time now and I thank you both for all the work you put into it I have one question though my question is what are the pathways for a foreigner such as yourself to acquire a Japanese citizenship thank you for the all the great content uh, PS good luck on your next driving exam Pete thank you Elena got one booked not telling anyone when it is because it <laughs> piles more pressure on myself but uh, hopefully hopefully i'll come through it good <laughs> but how do people sort of become you know japanese citizens i know like every now and again you'll get like a footballer like a brazilian footballer that's been there for absolutely ages and you know they'll get mm. fit for whoever but um it must be quite difficult i imagine i cannot imagine how many forms i think there's like a, um, oh God, a yeah. covid era um japanese entry form for uh residents and uh uh, that I think your mate Sean put on Twitter and my God, it was something like 15 pages and on top of that, the COVID tests. So I cannot imagine how many forms you got to fill out to uh, to become a Japanese citizen. I mean, yeah, I dread to think. Although apparently it's not as difficult as getting permanent residency, which is what I'm looking to get. Right. Because every okay. year I have to sort of, every couple of years, three years, whatever, I have to renew my visa. Um, and so it would be kind of cool to get a permanent one. But to become a citizen is a bigger deal, obviously. Um, but it's also easier. Apparently, so here's what you need yeah. to do, because I don't know. I've just looked it up. Apparently, number one, you need to be living in Japan for five years before applying. Number two, you need to know basic Japanese. So even you, Pete, you know basic Japanese, right? <laughs> Sorted, mate. Number three, you need to be self-supporting or married to a national that can support you financially. Number four, you need to have paid all your taxes. Always a good one. Number five, you need to be sound of mind. Would you pass that one? I pass that one. Um, No, never find pass that one. But apparently, fifteen to thousand. Sorry, fifteen thousand to twenty thousand people are naturalised every year. Although they're mostly sort of Chinese and Korean folks that live here. Fifty-two percent ethnically Korean, twenty-eight percent ethnically Chinese. Um, no, but very few are declined as long as your paperwork is in order. But I think most people just don't want to give up the citizenship of their native kind of home country. I mean, I certainly yeah. wouldn't want to. Um, mm. But I don't really know that many people that have done it. I can't think of many off the top of my head. Obviously, if you're going to live here forever and you know it, you want to be here forever then I, there's no harm in doing it, I guess. You just have to say goodbye to your old passport and um, you're good to go. But I don't know. I I think it's something that most people listening to this will never need to consider doing or be overly keen to do. I'd recommend getting permanent residency. Unless you marry someone here and settle down and have a family, um, I, I wouldn't recommend it mm. necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the flexibility of uh, – I think if you're coming from a um – 
a first world uh, country and your mm. um, passport is pretty useful. Um, and the British, obviously, with the Brexit agreement, we, 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 it's less useful now, but it's still yeah. relatively well respected. But if you're coming from, um, you know, like a, a, a slightly more impoverished, slightly more um, unstable uh, economy and, and, and country, I think it's, uh, sure. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real um, feather in your cap to to um, to take the, take residency and take um, take uh, citizenship. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it depends, I suppose. Yeah, but good question, Lena, and um, mm. I'm glad I've I've learned what you need to do to get there because now I know. Whenever I get asked, I get a lot of people ask me like, "How do I become Japanese or how do I become a citizen?" And uh, it's it's often very complicated. There's a lot of papers, but <laughs> I was actually quite surprised that citizenship in many ways is easier, even if you do have to sacrifice more. Uh, keep the questions, comments, everything. Stories coming into Broadband Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on the weekend to do it all over again, guys. But for now, where have you ever God, messing up my words. <laughs> it's all going so well. It's, it's been, I know, right? It's been a long day. It's been a long day. But wherever you might be <laughs> out there in the big wide world, have yourselves a good one. And uh, forget my awkward slip up there. Just just have a great you day. You get back to your editing. Get back in your editing. Back to editing. You're back not allowed to dungeon. Down to- it's absolutely melted your brain, Chris. It definitely has. Abroad in Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.